You're listening to The Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. Okay, James, it is... I don't know what day it is. It doesn't matter what day it is because we don't really want to date the podcast. (laughs) Um, The best best intro yet. Yeah, I'm great with those. So apologies for last week's episode for anyone who listened to it. We don't know how to record when one of us is on the road, so we're just trying to do something, but we don't have any good ideas. Well, the next time you're going to be on the road probably when we do it, so it'll be on my end to try and figure it out. I wonder if I can just record, like get an app that records our phone call and post that. You can, um, but we're not sure how much better that's actually going to be. I've looked into all that stuff. Hmm. I don't know. I'm just not sure how we're going to have to live with. Yeah. Anyway, uh, no, one, no, one needs, no one needs to hear about that. They anyway. Want, they want to hear about the leaves. Okay. So this is the Leaf Report podcast brought to you by Babsocks. Uh, as always, check out babsocks.ca. Um, lots to talk about. The Leafs are on a winning streak. Yeah, two wins in a row. It's it's weird when you look at their year. They really haven't played well for the most part all year. Like there's like you and I were talking about the game the other night. Five games maybe. But even like you go through those games and like a lot of those games they they didn't play great. Like think about right. it. Like, Remember they, the Rangers game? They yeah. They had a five one lead I think and gave that up and then won eight five. Um, even though with the Winnipeg game they win seven two didn't start great. They played, like, the Chicago game they played really well. The L.A. game they played really well. Washington was good. Washington was Washington. good. But, like, it's and, – and maybe that's a good thing for them. They're 10-7, and seven, you know, recording this on a Thursday afternoon. Well, remember what this team was for the most part in the second half of last year? Like, they looked like a really good team that had a really good record. There was there was one low point there. I remember the California trip, I don't think they won a game last year, end of February, early March. But – for the most, they went 12-5-1 going into the playoffs, and then they were really good in the playoffs. So they looked really good in preseason. I don't know. It's I Like, can we say, so, so how long has this funk been? Probably like 10 games, I guess? Yeah. Well, maybe a little longer. I mean, Detroit they beat. They had the Jersey game. They didn't play well. That was before Detroit, remember? Yeah. Like, they've just had, like, a lot of nights where you look at it and you say, they didn't play that well. It's interesting, too, I was thinking last night after the game, is that it's sort of hard to isolate individual players that you would blame for the team not playing well, if that makes sense. Like, you look at, like, because they've scored a lot of goals, so, like, their numbers are all good. Mm-hmm. And then you look at things like possession. Like, take someone like James Van Reeves, like, for example, whose possession numbers are really good, but, you know, his ice time's down. and yeah. Like, it's hard to just pick a guy and say, this is why the Leafs aren't better. But but that to that point, like you can look at a lot of guys from this year to last, and you would say some have taken a step back. Jake Gardner more than most. So what's that list? Anderson, Jake Gardner, um, Marner, Marner, Bozak, and Reemsdyke. Um, Zaitsev. Zaitsev's a big one. Yeah. Polak, obviously. Right. Depending on how you look at it, McElhaney so, even like. Yeah. So maybe that's enough if you have. It's a lot of players. Right. And the thing, too, is that a lot of guys had career years last year, right? So, Well, look at some of the guys we just named. I think Bozak, Van Riemsdyk. Okay, so let's say, so there's whatever, that's five or six guys. Let's say they've all taken a step back. Who's taken a step forward where they're better than last year? Like Hyman, okay. maybe? Hyman, Matthews. Brown, maybe? Brown. Kadri's been probably the same. They added Marlowe. Yeah, he's been good. So the fourth line's been better because Marlowe bumped people down to that line. Yeah. Martin's been better. Riley's had a great year. Yeah, Hainsey's been an upgrade on what they had, basically. Yeah. 
So, so like, I guess what I'm saying is that we named as many players that are having a better year as we did having a worse year. Like, it's, I guess, like, last year they were, they were an average team, right? They were a 95-point team, and right now that's probably about what they are. That's what they look like right yeah, now. Like but it I doesn't think we, look like they're better than right. last year, which we kind of thought they would when the young guys take a step forward. Well, I guess that's a, the other thing with last year, and you see it in so many ways this year, is they just had, like, everything go right. Like, the amount of things that went wrong was so small. It was like they were living, like, this charmed existence where nothing bad could happen, well, they, and already we're a month into the year. And now, like, some bad things are starting to happen. Like, Matthew's getting hurt. I mean, not everything went right. They lost, like, seven or eight shootouts or whatever. They... Yeah, they okay, cocked up the lead a ton of times. Like there were some things in the record that indicated, like, yeah, this was at the beginning of the year. I think I said I thought they'd be 98, 99 point team, because there were things like that that stood out that they could be better at. I'm looking at the standings. I mean, technically they're third in the East right now, ten and seven. Where are you going? I need you. I have to plug in my laptop. Hang oh. on. Oh, man, we're just—it's all—it's all really falling apart here. So if they're 10 and 7, I guess the thing is, is that what we're saying is that not only is, like, their record is one thing, but just how they look and how they're winning some of these games. Like, they they won the Detroit game, they won the Vegas game, they won the Minnesota game, but were they really the better team, or are they just getting by on outscoring? I mean, that sounds stupid, because obviously the goal is to outscore teams. So they're on pace for 96 points right now, which is one more than last year. Well, and you and I both, I think, thought they'd be around close to 100, somewhere between like 95 and 100. Yeah, so I didn't think they were going to be like – some people were saying they were the third-best team, the fourth-best team in the NHL. I didn't really see that, but I thought there would be a little bit of a step forward. We did know that injuries were going to be a bigger factor. And the thing that, that is going to be important is who the injuries are to. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like – they're better equipped to, like, if they have a winger to get injured, like if JVR's hurt or Marlowe's hurt, or not that Marlowe, Mar- Bionic Man never gets hurt, but that's a bad example. If Hyman gets hurt, they're well positioned to replace those guys, especially from the Marlies. But if they have Kadri or Matthews right now is hurt, or Anderson or Jake Gardner, Riley, they're not well positioned to replace those guys. Right. I had this idea. The other, so, like, the blue line's been a problem, but. Like, how do you fix that? How do you... Well, the interesting thing is is obviously that Zaitsev has signed for a long time. Yeah. So you're, like, committed to him as one of your right. top four guys. You're committed to Riley, which is fine. Gardner's up in a couple of years. Like, I don't know. We should... We I'm should not almost, answering your question. Are so. we going to have, like, the Babcock, Babsox, quarter of the... We didn't even, we didn't even mention Babsox off the top, so... No, we, I did. Oh, did you? Oh, okay. Yeah, after... Oh, yeah. boy. Um, the quote of the week maybe could be Babcock talking about Zaitsev. I don't know if you have that audio available, but like you were saying, he was like praising him over the top the other day. Over the top. Loves him. Loves how hard he competes. Loves, you know, that even though he's not the biggest guy, he shows himself physically. Like he, he's not afraid. He loves him. And it kind of gives you a window into why they signed him. Like if, if Mike Babcock is a very big fan of somebody, I'm sure that, factors into how long they sign him and for what they sign him for. So does that mean then that Babcock thinks the problem on the blue line is Gardner? Well, he didn't seem to think that there was a problem. Babcock thinks the D has been amazing. 
Well, to be fair, he was asked a question specifically about Zaitsev and then praised Zaitsev a lot. Yeah. And the reason you're, you're saying that is because we look at that pairing with Gardner and Zaitsev and it's not worked. It's not been good. And I've talked to both guys about it. Um, and both seem to have different views on yeah. what exactly is going well, on. Well, Gardner doesn't seem very confident about where he's getting. No. In and, California, that was really clear. Well, and, and that's, it's a big story. Like, why, what's going on with Jake Gardner? Like, all of a sudden, this guy who every year after year after year, no matter the team, always puts numbers up that suggest the team is better when he's on the ice. Suddenly, yeah. this is the first the year his Corsi relative has been negative, right? And yeah. not only is it negative, it's really negative, yeah. which is surprising. I mean, he's well, always been the guy who's like first on the team in that stat. Well, and you look at them as a pair uh, with that Corsi relative stat with Corsica hockey, they're, they've been one of the worst pairs in the league. Huh. So, I wonder if it's like a chemistry thing. Like, you watch Riley and Hainsey, and it's, for whatever reason, that works really, really. One of the things I asked Hainsey, um, I did a story on him and Marlowe, how they fit in really well after they won the Anaheim game. And I asked Hainsey, is it, you know, is Riley just like the kind of player that meshes really well with you? And I, I didn't get a great answer from him, but I think that, that there's truth to that. I think that, that Riley's such a great skater, and Hainsey's really good at like just making like little chip plays that get it mm-hmm. to Riley in a spot where he can use his speed and play offensively. And that pair has been excellent. And I know even a lot of the analytics guys on, on Twitter and whatever were really skeptical of the Hainsey signing. He's playing like 22, 23 minutes a game, and they're now saying, look how great Ron Hainsey's been. Well, and it's not like they're sheltering them either. Like they're no, using they against... Tough. Yeah. Right. It's. I remember... Um, it's interesting that... like. The Gardner Zaitsev pair gets more minutes overall, mm-hmm. but the Riley Hainsey pairing gets the harder minutes, which is not usually what you see. Well, because typically he's just using that pair against the other team's top line right. and then giving Gardner Zaitsev the next two lines. Basically. You wrote a really good story about Riley. I don't think we used the quote where he was talking about how they play the tough against the top matchup and then they sit for a while, like they wait. So yeah, well, he, and, he and you, and you that, see yeah. it in the ice time. Like there was a game, I think it was in LA. Uh, where the ice time was like 20 minutes even strength for Gardner and Zaitsev, something like that. And then Riley was way down at about 13 or 14, which was about even with what like Borgman and Carrick and some of those guys had played. And he does the same thing with Nazem Kadri. Like you look, you look at Kadri's uh, like even strength ice time, and he's not playing as much as some guys because he's basically just being used against the other team's top line. But it kind of, like, to your point, like, about big picture, what does it mean? It probably means, like, they're going to have to figure out something. Because, like, if that pair doesn't work, what do you do? Like, do you break it up? Do you put Zaitsev with someone else? Do you put Gardner with Carrick? Do, like, I was wondering if they should try bringing Dermot in and playing him. Or, like, you know, like I wonder if there's an option with the Marlies that we're not thinking. Like, but where's the need? Like, they... Where do you put it? Maybe you upgrade. Maybe it's an upgrade on Boardman. I mean, Boardman's maybe. been okay. Yeah. So the quote from Riley was, uh, a team like that, this was after the Vegas game, a team like that, they can roll four lines, and me and Ron will go out against their top line, and then we wait uh, for two lines, and then we wait an extra one, and then when their fourth line goes out, we might go out there again uh, against the, the James Neal line, the first line. Um, he, he was like, Zaitsev and Hainsey played a lot of the penalty kills, so that's like why the their minutes might be a little bit higher. I think Riley's fourth on the D in minutes, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, which is and he's had a great year. Like he's been fantastic. Well it's just like it's it's just training him to 
like that's your task like you're just yeah. that's basically what we want you to do he said like defensemen don't care about minutes they care about what situations are getting to play like well he zaitsev, he's like in like 20 minutes he wants to play against other teams top line it's funny you mention that because zaitsev like almost sounded pissed off when i brought up the fact that they weren't playing against top lines because hmm. that's what he wants because that's what he wants that's interesting. I don't. I don't know why that is. But well, it's like, like, Riley's like I don't care if I'm at 21 or 24 minutes. I want to be out there against like Crosby. Well, we should talk about Riley a little bit, just because he is on pace for obviously his biggest season. Yeah, like 63 points or something. Yeah, something crazy like that. Now top 10 in D scoring. We don't think that. Well, maybe. I mean, maybe he that will keep a, up. I mean, he will get 60 points, but he could but get, he 50. get 50. Yeah. Well, because he's gonna play a bunch. What did he have last year? 28. 27. He's going to play a bunch with Matthews. He's going to get a lot of power he's play He's on time. a top power play unit that's, that's really good. Okay, so. I guess he spends more time with Kadri than Matthews, but probably some with Matthews too. I haven't looked at that close enough. But the point is, like, that investment that they made in him two years ago now looks great and will continue to look great as he gets better. Like, the thing that, that's easy to forget, he's 23. Right. He's, like, still Yeah, they just say D beginning. are peaking into, like, 23, 26, so, like... It does look like he's taking another step. Well, if if he's faring well while going against top lines and putting up really good numbers, what else do you want? To me, I, to go back to what we were talking about like 10 minutes ago, um, it's kind of concerning that there are these guys like Riley. Like Obviously, Riley's such an important piece. Riley takes the next step, but then the team doesn't look any better, you know? Like it's, well, because other guys take steps back. Like, that's sports. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, like, Matthews looks better than last year yeah. which seems impossible yeah but all of a sudden marner doesn't look as good as last year you know like right. it, and connor brown looks better than he looked last year but suddenly you know bozak and van reemstack aren't as effective like it's just like that's sports right yeah but it's interesting like because we're still trying to get a handle on what this team is like they played 17 games and uh, we need to see like another 10 probably before we really know well you had some really interesting observations kind of about mike babcock like do you think he is concerned kind of about yeah this. like i we, i don't were you watching and listening to all the scrums and everything in california and yeah like, he just seemed like he was kind of i thought the, the san jose game was a real poor performance on his part like they just got crushed he played a really bad lineup he put polak in for that game he took lebo out even though lebo was really good against the flyers the game before mm-hmm. and then the team the leafs didn't get a shot on goal in 28 minutes and they're just they just look so lifeless and it just seemed like I don't know like Babcock wasn't sure what to do if that makes well, sense and, and, which is like very rare for him normally he just projects with this super confidence and he's always like and after some of those games it was kind of like well I guess I'm gonna have to figure out what what we're doing tomorrow you know what the word is it's it's all of a sudden he looks indecisive like yeah he doesn't know what he should do the fact that he's like continuously jumbled up the lines after not doing it at all last year suggests we like, this is a guy two years really i mean right. we did the first first year because the lineup kept changing because they kept trading everybody away and whatever and they had an old boot on like some of those lines well it's almost like he realizes like we keep hearing him refer to them as you know trying to be a championship team and it's almost like he realizes that that is like in the ballpark for them now and like he's got to figure out how to make it work right like the last couple years even last year, like he knows, like they're not winning. Like this is just like a developmental year. The year before, well, there were no expectations at all. Right, and now there's expectations, and now you and need he to said figure some out. of those too. Like I remember, remember his press conference the first, the first day of training camp or whatever, and he was saying, you know, he's like set the expectations that we're on this path to 
to like be what the Blackhawks were or what the Red Wings were or whatever. And so that's what people are expecting to see. And then you watch the team and it's like, I don't know. It was interesting. I was listening to, um, I think I was, I think it was Taddy was on the radio and I can't remember who he was yes, on. Who, who, who does he do the pregame show with? Craig uh, Gilbert? Yeah, that's who it was. Yeah. Greg Gilbert was on with him. So it was a really, had a really interesting conversation before the game uh, last night. Um, just like right before. And they were talking about how Vegas, this is what Taddy said. Vegas is this team of all these guys that have never played together. They just got all thrown together at the last minute. And they looked really organized on the ice. They look really good defensively. You know, they've been whatever, whatever. And then the Leafs don't have that. And then all these guys that have been playing together and then they can't seem to figure it out. And the weird thing for me is that Babcock's what's defined his tenure in Toronto up until this season is that you can see like some of that structure and you can see, sure. I mean, other than them giving up some leads last year that you could see like a pattern to like them improving defensively. And this year we don't see it. Like, well, now it's year, a glaring big breakdowns. Yeah. They look, they look bad a lot of the time. And it's weird because we're not used to, we're used to like seeing like Babcock have maybe blind spots sometimes with the rosters he uses and yeah. like liking guys like Glenn Denning and, uh dan cleary and some of these guys in detroit and you know there's a little bit of that happening in toronto i think sometimes but for them to not have structure and not be very good defensively is weird do you think some of it is personnel like you have one line with the bozak line that even with like generous starts in the offensive zone none of those guys would probably be described as good defensive players like that leads to breakdowns. Zaitsev not being as good as they think he is leads to stuff happening. I don't know, like, how many of these young players, like, you've got, you know, guys like William Neander still trying to figure out the NHL. Like, it's interesting when you talk to other teams about the Leafs, like the the Drew Doughty stuff. You remember you were there. Like, he was talking yeah. about how they're not good defensively. He's like, they've got the, the best offense in the league. They've got the best line in the league, maybe, but they're really not great defensively. And one of the things he said is, like, that they learned in L.A. is, like, everyone needs to commit to being good defensively. He said, like, it, it's not just the defense. It's, like, the forwards. It's the forwards well, committing think, to be good defensively. I think the Leafs forwards not being good enough at two-way players is having a big impact. Well, yeah. how many good two-way players do they have? So let's count them. So there's Matthews, Kadri. Brown's really good. Brown. Hyman's good defensively, I think you'd say. Marlowe probably Marlo. is. But, I mean, like, they, it's, they, it's they, half the roster. Right. Well, and, like, it was even so maybe they need to turn over the half the roster. Maybe. I like. I thought it was interesting at the end of uh, who did they last play? Who was the last game against Minnesota? Minnesota. That like l- late in the third period when they're protecting a lead, they take James Van Riemsdyk off the line with Bozak and Marner, and, and they, they put, put Josh Levo on it. And yeah. then for a defensive zone faceoff, they had Matt Martin out with with those two guys instead of Van Riemsdyk or Levo, which t- like that's pretty indicting. Like for someone like Van Riemsdyk, it's not a comforting thing that they're replacing you. Because obviously they don't trust you defensively. But man, Martin's on pace for like 40 even strength points or whatever. It it's unbelievable. Maybe we should eat crow. <laughs> we, might, we might have to. I wonder what crow tastes like. <laughs> there's a there's big crow barbecue somewhere in Toronto, but I don't think they serve. No, I don't think any people. I think you need to be like eating a raccoon or something. It's full of diseases. Yeah. There's um, no crows here, are there? They have them back home in Camelot, and they're annoying as hell. Like caw? Yeah, they're like loud and they won't. It's like. Okay, so we've gone like 20 minutes into the podcast. And now we're talking about eating birds. Yes, so the podcast is getting is off any, the rails. Has anyone out there eaten crow before? 
Yeah, send us your, your answers. Oh, I should say, if, if you haven't subscribed yet to The Athletic, send me a message on Twitter. I will give you 30% off. That was a good deal. And check out Babsox. It's it's November. They're doing some special stuff uh, for the month of Mo- November. I don't have the read in front of me. I didn't come prepared. Um, but they have a, a shop on Richmond Street, right close to where I live, which is like, it's like Queen in Portland. Yeah, so stop in the shop and then go to Jonas's house and say hello. Sure. <laughs> um, okay, so it's been like 20 minutes and we haven't talked anything about Austin Matthews really being injured. And not really knowing much about the injury or how long he's going to be out. What's like the most, I don't know, what comes to mind when you think about what's going on with him? Could you tell like in the games leading up that he was hurt? Like they played him pretty big minutes. Can you tell in the St. Louis game? I think he played 21 minutes or something. He like played 21 game. minutes in the Vegas game, which was the one he wasn't ah, going to play, right. which was the most of the year. Right. But was he as noticeable during their trip? Maybe not, but maybe that's me just like with hindsight looking back and being like, yeah, he wasn't as good. But like production-wise, nothing really changed. The like LA he was right in the had lots of chances. And... Yeah, and he had two points. Right. He had a couple games with six shots. Right. But they really haven't. And this is like a Lou Lamorello thing where they don't tell you anything about the injuries. They don't want to say anything. Yeah. We're Upper gonna, body, we're day not going to know Yeah. Nothing. It doesn't seem like it's super. Well, okay. So, so if they're not going to say anything, we can just like kind of speculate. I mean, the rumor is that he's got a back injury. Injury's mm-hmm. back. Well, and that would make sense. Like based on everything, like you're just trying to read the tea leaves of what they said. So Mike Babcock one day says, you know, he didn't look like he had as much power, like in terms of his skating. And if you have a back injury. That would make sense. It would affect everything. It would yeah. affect everything. Like Man, anybody who's back hurts, like it sucks. They got to be careful because I remember Mario Lemieux, the one that I always remember with the back injuries, and it just like he had years where he missed like huge portions of the season. And yeah. it just like the part of it, I like teams are really keying on Matthews a lot more this year. So I wonder if he's just getting bigger guys leaning on him and stuff like that. And it just happens. Like, it, yeah, that's a common thing that guys like didn't Van Riemsdyk used to have issues. He has that special pillow on his <laughs> his dressing room stall. Joffrey Lupo used to have that same pillow thing. Right. Anyway, the point is, like, I think it's interesting, like, the balance that they try to strike. You would think it would be better for them to just hold him out through the weekend, give him, like, almost But we don't know how off. serious the injury is, though. But if it's – yeah, that's true. Like, it could just be, like, a tweak or whatever. And he yeah, but like, why wouldn't you want to be precautious with it? Precautious or just cautious? Cautious. You don't need to be precautious. You just need to be cautious. But that's like I think that, you're thinking of precocious. Which precocious, work. right? Not in that situation. But wouldn't you just want to be careful? Like if it is even a tweak, like you don't want this lingering throughout the year. Backs are such weird ones, though, right? Because like I don't know. That's it's a bit of a scary one because it could be something that's off and on all year. He which said is it, why you need to. He said it. it had been lingering, right? Yeah. Like he basically said it's something he's been like playing through. Mm-hmm. And then they finally decided, I wonder if they were, you know, I wonder if the sports science team saw something or whatever and thought that. Well, based on what they do, that's exactly what they would do. They could detect if his explosion wasn't the same. Right. That's the point of it. So I'm sure they probably, I would think that they would go to the coaching staff and say, like, he, he is being affected. Pretty much this. worst case scenario, not having Matthews, right? Maybe Riley, I guess, would be a big one. Anderson. Yeah, that's a big dog now. Although he hasn't been great, obviously. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he hasn't been that good, and like Sparks has been amazing in the AHL. I mean, maybe Anderson being hurt with like one of the kids from the AHL could come up and play well. But one thing it does um, do is expose their depth at center a little bit. 
and, and that was a problem, obviously, even with Matthews. Do you like what Babcock's decided to do in terms of using Marlowe at center as the third guy? He's had some good games playing center and some games I haven't noticed him that much. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think Marlowe as a third-line center is pretty good. Like, that's a pretty good... And he, he was playing with Brown and Hyman. I mean, that's a good defensive line. Yeah, and I mean, that's he, how he used them. They used scored them. that one the, the one big goal. Mm-hmm. And he used them against the Eric Stahl line, which is like the second line for uh, Minnesota. Right. Which I was curious about. Like, I, I was curious to see what he'd do with his combinations. And the one thing that he did do was put Van Riemsdyk back with Bozak and Marner so that he could just, like, shelter the you-know-what out of them, right. which he did. The line was okay. I didn't think they... Possession-wise, actually, no, they fell off. It's interesting that their best line possession-wise against the Wild was the Kadri line, despite the fact that they were going against... Koivu? Koivu, yeah. They need that line to be good. They need they need Kadri. There was a robot. They need Kadri to really step up. Well, like, I, I feel like sometimes we forget that he's actually become really good at this. Like, not only is he well, shutting I mean, down other fairness, teams. he always was pretty, a pretty good player. Yeah, but he was never used like this until, like, obviously Babcock comes along and changes him. I was just thinking, like, in a, and I got down a little bit of a rabbit hole with this. You saw me. Like, I was just, like, watching Brian Burke's scrums from, like, 2009. <laughs> I, but, don't, I don't think you left the rink till like, 1 in the morning or no, something. No, it's true. But, like, <laughs> I was the, at the bar, like, there were just so that. many times when they could have... It, this could have not worked out. That's what I was fascinated with. Yeah. Like yeah the, those people were wrong about Kadri. Yeah, but it wasn't... It, it, it even went beyond that. Like, remember, like, it's easy to forget. Like, there was that Shanahan scrum not that long ago. Yeah, but... Where he comes out and basically is like, you know, if this guy doesn't put up or shut up, well, he's gone. That, but the point is, like, if, if Kadri doesn't... Yeah. Kadri shape went up, outside the lines on that. But if he doesn't shape up, like, suddenly... They punt him, and that's it. I think that what Shanahan did was different than what, like, Burke and Wilson were. Like, oh, for like, sure. It seemed like they were saying he wasn't as good of a player as he actually was. Yes. Like, maybe they didn't want to feed into the, the ego or whatever. Of, but Kadri's always been a good player. Like, he's always yeah. had this potential. He yeah. needed to clean up off ice a little bit and mature. And I think Babcock has helped teach him more and... Well, he was I, always competitive. He was always good with the puck. He was always, yeah. But he's definitely taking the next step, especially in terms of goal production. Yeah, goal production. But like, also, like he is good in in that defensive role. Yeah, like he's good when you match him up against other top lines. Like he's hard on the puck. He's got some skill. He can make plays. Like I don't know. It kind of fits him. It kind of fits his personality too. Yeah. But like, it's almost like his personality is sort of what bugged a lot of those coaches and right. people over the years because he was always like really full. Not full. I don't know, full of himself. No. Cocky. Like, yeah. Confident. Like, you're not going to tell me I can't do this. He's, like, overconfident. I mean, he's wonderful for us because, like, he's one of the best guys in the whole team to talk to. Well, because he doesn't bullshit. There's not enough filters. Can I swear on you? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't bullshit. Like, he just kind of tells you what he thinks. Fuck it. Let's swear. That's too far. Oh, sorry. Although, do you ever listen to uh, Pod Save America? Have you ever heard of that podcast? Who, who does it? It's, it's, a, it's one of the former speechwriters for Obama. They cuss all the time. On the well, that's that's what that's what podcasts are like. This like new medium where you can yeah drop swear. all kinds of bombs and people. Well, actually, that's people would probably be surprised. But you actually swear quite a bit, like in like yeah. everyday life. People, True. People will think that you're. I don't know. Well, and also it, it's you're, fun with the athletic. I can actually use some swear words in my story. Yeah, sometimes we don't want to like overdo it, but right. There's there's a fine line. You don't want to like get a reputation as a publication that you're just like you're just going for like the cheap like. 
No, but we want to be honest and like yes. quotes need to be honest. Right. Anyway. Anyway, getting back to the, the matter at hand. Um, it would be interesting to see what happens to them if he is out for a bit. Now, if nothing he sits good. In, nothing good. <laughs> I mean, they won. Well, they're right. just like you had the stats on one of your stories recently. Last when week, he's yeah. not on the ice. I don't know. You can go through The it. goal score goals against are crazy at even strength. And some of that's PDO. His PDO is way up there. But, like... When he's on the ice, the scoring chances are through the roof. It's like 60%. And when he's not, it's like pretty close to average. And the possession when he's on the ice is like 54. And when he's not, and especially lately, if you break it down to like the last 10, 11 games, the Leafs have been a below average, like significantly below average team in possession, in uh, uh, possession when you take out block shots, in shots for and against at even strength. When Matthews hasn't been on the ice, they've been really like a, a bad team, basically. Mm-hmm. And that line continued to push them up to where they were still winning some games. Okay, well, this is actually perfect segue into what I want to ask you next. That was what I was doing. Yeah, you don't even know what's on the schedule. <laughs> um, so William Neander, I'm endlessly fascinated with this thing. Um, I wondered, and, and Babcock said that they had considered moving Neander to center when Matthews went out. If you had to guess, what do you think the reason is that they don't do it? That he's Just not, that they don't trust he's him. He's not going to be good enough there. But he hasn't. He's like his play's fallen off a little bit, so they sure. might feel like it's not the time to try. Well, that. so do you? Did, did you buy into some of that stuff that the Fabcock was saying? He was pretty. He did not make it. He did not hide the fact that he was not happy with Neander. He took him off the Matthews line. He benched him. He called him out basically. I mean, I think that there was. I think there was. Think, he was a bit frustrated. Like he wants Neander to be one of his best players, and and probably sees that he can be like a top player in the league. Oh yeah. And it's probably like, I'm on the ground floor now, and if I don't do these things in second yeah. course, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I think that that's right. Yeah. I mean, he wants him to be playing on his top line against top players in like the top big, big situations in tie games in the playoffs and whatever. Right. And so if he sees stuff, he's, I, I think he's going to be harder on Neilander than all than most guys on the roster. I would think so. Because like he probably had, like, Datsuk and Zetterberg probably came over and just were just like that. Like, we're just exactly how he wanted. And he probably has now like a project in Neander where he's like, it's actually going to require me to ingrain this in him. You know what I mean? I don't want people to get the wrong idea. Neander's an amazing player. Like he's been one of the best players Excellent. this season. Yeah. Sure. So like we're not, we're not. It's just there's a process to get better. That's it. I mean, he just he wants Neander to be like an amazing, you know, right. One of the best players. Well, in the I mean, league, like you, right? you watch Pavel Datsuk, and like you, you see, you would see every shift, and you'd watch him on the back check, and he would just be like busting his ass. Patrice Bergeron is my favorite. Bergeron's really good at that. So, like, I just think he probably wants him to be at that level where he's thinking, like, I need to be going all the time, right? Like, not some of the time. And there was like that that one play, and Justin Bourne did a really good job. I'm showing it wasn't just him. It wasn't just him. And and, and you know what that highlights? It's never just one guy on any goal. Like, it's like a series of dominoes that have to fall for a thing to happen. But it was just like this glaring indication where he is not going as hard as you would like. Well, he seemed like a bit uncertain. Lackadaisical, too. Well, maybe he just... Maybe he was wasn't uncertain. Sure. sure. Yeah, I think he was uncertain whether he should go in the corner and get the guy or like. Sure. And then he looked. And then he was like kind of frozen. I don't know if that's laziness as it is inexperience and. But it's just like he wants him to be at gear number eight or nine all the time, and not sometimes drifting into five. Right. So. But to the to the bigger point, at some point, it makes sense organizational, organizationally. Is that sure? Makes sense. We're going with it to put Neilander in the middle. 
Do you think that happens at any point this year? Do you, or does it depend on well, so I guess Matthews and Neil are still being good together? On the California trip, Babcock was very adamant that Marlowe at center is not a long-term thing, that right. it's going to continue to happen. But so. if it's not a long-term thing, what are you doing? Like, what is your plan? They're going to have to put someone else there. Like, it's got to be him, I never actually right? thought about that until the Leander, Marner. That's, that's... Especially if a center's hurt, then they're going to need Neilander to play center. If Marlowe's not going to do it all year. He, well, but even if Babcock's like, I, he, he's like, I don't want Marlowe to play center. We're just doing it right now because, like, we're in a bad so, spot. And that, that is exactly, yeah. I think he felt like they were struggling. They had only won two of eight games or two of nine or whatever. The, they, what was that in his worst? Yeah, two of I think eight. Two, yeah. So he didn't want, he wanted to get them back kind of on the right spot before yeah. he starts. Well, and Bozak was really struggling, so right. he dropped them. Yeah. So obviously when Matthews comes back, it, it makes it less imperative. But like you said, all it takes is one injury. and you know. Well, they're going to run into a situation where next year they're going to have to do something. They're either going to have to sign a center or trade for a center well, or move in when you're there. Because I'm pretty sure Bozak's not coming back. And so wouldn't it make sense to do it at some point this year? Yeah. So at least you have like a little bit of a runway yeah. for it. And then, like, if you get into the playoffs and, and you and you don't want to do that it. That was in my piece on Monday that no one read because I wrote a piece on Monday, uh, on Sunday night, about how I should the Leafs split up Matthews and Nylander. And um, then we woke up on Monday morning and Matthews was hurt. So And Matthews and Nylander <laughs> were back together before he got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. But I just meant in the game in St. Louis, they had been pulled apart a little bit. So. No, I know. And then Monday morning... Before Matthews left. No, it's fine if they were like together. No, but like it's an interesting thought experiment. Like, did you looking into into it? Did you come to any conclusion as to what you think they should? The do? The numbers say they shouldn't split them up because they're so good together, and that Matthews is more effective with Neilander, and Neilander is more effective with Matthews, and that the numbers, if you look at them apart, like the possession and the scoring chance numbers and expected goals and all that stuff is all much weaker without Neilander with Matthews. Like even Matthews numbers are quite a bit worse. But I guess the problem is if, if that Marner line is not working, it it kind of loses a little bit of your lineup potency. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like because if you have Neilander and, and Matthews and that's working really good. But the uh, one of the Well, uh, that's where they were at, right? Right. So like wouldn't it make more sense to see if you can plug someone else in with Matthews and then try to figure out how you can get that's what I had going. so my like my projected line if you put Neil under center was putting Marner up with Matthews and it's like well maybe you get Marner going like, right you, you know Marner's good really good offensively so you get him um you get Neil under um I think I had Neil under with JBR and Brown I think. right or or Kapanen I mean I think I might have had Brown with Kadri but you know Marlowe Kadri Brown you get Komarov on the you know, on the the fourth line, and Bozak on the fourth line, and Levo on the fourth line. I mean, it could be. I mean, not that not that they're going to take Martin now, but you know, they they gives them some interesting options. But most importantly, what it does is it sets them up better for next season, where they know either Nylander can be our third line center, and that's what we're going to do, or yeah. we can't, and we have to do something else. That's a really good they, point. That they have to know that, right? And it's almost like they have to sacrifice a little bit of the present, and like, are they going to win the game? Friday against Boston to like figure out what their future is, right? Like they need to figure out what Neilander is. It kind of feels like Babcock thinks Neilander's not a center. It kind of feels like he's decided on that. But it wasn't that long ago when he had apparently decided that he was a center. But that was, was actually early last year, right? and it was kind of before Matthews and him like became like this yes. unstoppable duo, right? 
but if Neander's not a center and Marner's not a center, I don't know. Like then, like you said, then you have to go on free agency and sign someone. And there ain't that much there. Back, there that's not wins. true. There actually are some interesting options. But Who do you think most of those teams. Well, that's the thing. Most of the teams probably re-sign their guys. Or you have to pay through the yes. nose. You gotta pay way over pay those guys, yeah. Because there's a lot of teams that need another center. And there's other a lot of teams that need another center more than the Leafs need one. Even with even with losing Bozag. Although there's a like they don't have anybody that can be their third center. You no. Marlowe's just that's not he's not gonna be there all year. It's not gonna happen. They're not gonna have a thirty nine year old Patrick Marlowe next year being their center. It just won't happen. Well, Matt Cullen's like forty one and he's a center for Minnesota and it's pretty good. Fourth line. Yeah. We're talking about like their third line. If people didn't see it, the Matt Collins stories that Mike Russo did for the Athletic are outstanding. Did you read them? I, I, I haven't read them yet. I have like oh, a list of things that I have to read. It's, they were like I was like, eh, I don't really care about Matt Collins, but all the like all the Minnesota people were like, Wow, this is amazing. And he did he did two. He did two giant features and he like went to his house and spent time with them and the second one it gets into like all of this stuff about the food that he eats and like it's, it's just amazing. And the supplements, they had pictures of, like, all the supplements. He has, like, this cabinet in his house. And it's just, like, it was, like, all these supplements, like, all this weird stuff. And it's, uh, Cullen's, like, the 36th oldest player to ever play in the NHL or something like that. And he's not really showing signs of slowing down. Like, you look at, with Pittsburgh last year, you look at his, he was the guy that I thought would be perfect for the Leafs in the fourth-line center spot. He would have been better than more because he's, like, in the analytics and everything are excellent for a fourth-line center. Like, they're just outstanding. Well, and you, you've seen what Marlowe's done so far. Like, he doesn't look like he's – I think there were a lot of people who probably hadn't watched him closely and figured, you know, look at his age. Like, look at well, some of the numbers. Yeah, you know, some of the underlying well, numbers. From being, like, amazing. To being, like, just useful. Yeah. So, like, he can still skate, and that, like, is a – When I thought that Minnesota game, he was all over the ice. That's a, he's, like, beating out icings and, like – Right. And so, like, if you have these – like, just – like, your, your feature on Marlowe really – hit home how much of a freak he is yeah but if you can skate like that you can probably keep playing yeah that's what dominic moore says too that the reason he's still in the league is that he's still reasonably fast like it's just like Hainsey's not fast though and he's just smart he's a decent skater all three of those guys are like among the oldest players in the nhl they're all like in the top 20 or something like those guys over 35 have really been phased out and the leafs added three of them like three of the 20 oldest i think in the top 20 three of the or maybe it's by position. But anyway, they're like three of the oldest players in the league. Well, and then they have Curtis McLean. He's probably yeah. in that group, too. Yeah, among goalies, he would be for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got an 868 per save percentage. So we've, we don't we're not no talking, opinion on we're that. We're not talking. Is he gonna, he's going to start one of his Boston games. For sure. This is probably the second one in Boston. In Boston. So if the Leafs lose, this is what I don't like about this. If the Leafs lose Friday with Anderson net, then you go into the, the Saturday game and you you know you handicap yourself in a big way. So you think the the better option is to play the better guy in the second night? I don't know. The better option is to have a better have two good goalies instead of one. Right. Especially if you have a potentially other good goalie in your system, maybe two. I mean, obviously it would be a big slight to to McElhinney, but I wonder like you almost would want to recall like Sparks' save percentage is like nine forty six or whatever. I wonder when that happens. The other thing you can do, and you've pointed this out before, is just play your extras in the second game. Oh, they 100% should do that. And Babcock did that, I think, last time in the LA game. Except Martin. Or Martin was hurt one game. No, that was San Jose. Right. Anyway, is there anything else you want to talk about before we go? 
So they have a four-day break after these Boston games. These Boston games are big, like sure division games. Yeah, Team they can pull like three points out of these. It makes a big difference as opposed to if they get one or zero. Yeah. Well, I mean, even these two wins, they haven't looked great. No, that's like the no. You can make the case that they haven't deserved it. No, I'm sure Babcock is a little concerned, but still early. Kadri's on pace for 44 goals. <laughs> that's how early it is. Although he probably I guess, I guess the most dirty. the most encouraging thing probably lately is that Anderson's had quite a few good games. Like they need him, but he still has those. Well, yeah, that goal against Vegas was. He still has these goals where you're just like, ah. And even like the the wild games, like those are two like I don't know, they're not great rebounds. Do they need to be cleared? Probably, but but they need Anderson to be like a nine ten nine fifteen goalie. Otherwise, they're not, they're not going to make the playoffs. Nine fifteen should be the bar, shouldn't it? Yeah, that's like about average. Yeah, but I think they can still make the playoffs if he's like nine ten nine twelve. They can't if he's like nine hundred or nine oh two or whatever he's at right now. Well, and especially if he if something is bothering him physically. So when we're recording this on. Thursday. Oh yeah, you say they he held him out of practice. It, it's it still looks like he's going to play Friday, but obviously that, there's something that arm. That he, no, because that they the they told him they kept him off the ice on Thursday or Wednesday morning as well. So, so it wasn't the Minnesota game. So we'll see. <laughs> he says super ominously. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back with another decent podcast next week not one of those crap ones hopefully and then the week after it will be a crap one for you crap yeah, one. Yeah. So get used to that all right podcast again brought to you by babsocks check out babsocks.ca we will chat next week thanks for tuning in to the leaf report follow the guys on twitter at jonas siegel and at myrtle